Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure. Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at uh, ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. Blackfoot Communications is actively supporting the communities we serve across Montana and Idaho. We are installing hundreds of miles of fiber in our service territories, increasing the broadband experience in our rural communities. We are delivering remote workforce solutions for our business communities. We are creating new, innovative solutions for our local entrepreneurs and enterprise organizations. Learn how your company can benefit. Call today at 541-5000 or go to blackfootbusiness.com. Blackfoot Communications Connect to more. This is Nuwana's Now on 102.9 ESPN Radio Missoula. That might that line in that song, Trippin' Billy's by the Dave Matthews Band, Eat, Drink, and Be Merry, for Tomorrow We Die, might be the mantra of my life. What an awesome line. What an awesome band. Thanks so much, Tommy, for making me so happy. Welcome back here at Nuanas Now, 1029 ESPN Missoula, Statewide Television, SWX Montana Television. I'm sitting here on the side of I-15 in my car. Looking at the Clark Canyon Reservoir, which is about 20 miles south of Dillon, Montana. Making my way down to Ogden, Utah, which is the epicenter of the Big Sky Conference World. This weekend, the University of Montana is playing in the Big Sky Conference softball tournament, as you just heard there in the Sports Center. The Grizz, a 6-3 victor over Sacramento State, so the six-seeded Montana Grizzlies into the undefeated side of the bracket. They'll play again here right now. First pitch just underway against Southern Utah. So the Grizz take the sixth seed in, and they win their first game. That's an outstanding effort by the University of Montana. And the Big Sky Conference Track and Field Outdoor Championships also Taking place at Ogden, Utah. The multi-events got kicked off yesterday. You heard there the first day update in the Sports Center. But the heptathlon and the decathlon have both gone final. So the heptathlon, that's the seven-event women's multi-events. And the heptathlon title, first time in a long time, it wasn't Erica McLeod from the University of Montana. Instead, 
It's Ashley Van Vliet Sturgis from Idaho State scoring 10 points for the Bengals. Brianna Van Vliet takes third place for ISU as well, but the Grizz score a uh, a crucial 13 points in this event. Eight points by Jansen Ziola, a sophomore from Montana who finishes second in the heptathlon and fourth place overall for Jari Main from the University of Montana. She finishes fourth to score five points for UM. Also, the Grizz get three points from Morgan Ratke with a sixth place finish and two points from Whitney Morrison, a Missoula native and a Missoula Big Sky product and a true freshman for the Lady Grizz uh, track team. So let's count them up. That's 8 13 16, 18 points for the Grizz women's track team in the heptathlon. So not a champion from Jansen Ziola's side of things, but a runner-up finish, which is very good. Two in the top four and four in the top seven. So that's a big and a good start for the women's track team for Montana. I'll tell you this, the women's track team for Montana is the 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 team of the two Montana schools that has a chance to make some noise in the team race of this tournament, uh, of this championship outdoor meet. And on the on the uh, Montana State side, I think both the Cats and the Grizz men and women's teams, excuse me, both the, the Bobcats men and women's teams will contend. And I do think that, that the Lady Grizz will contend as well. In the men's decathlon, excuse me, decathlon, 10 events, that is in the books as well, and a big start for Weber State. Caleb Whitney takes first place. Jed Smith takes second place. Third and fourth go to Caleb Neff and Hunter Nicholson of Montana State, respectively. So some points scored by the Bobcats there, too, but 18 big points for Weber State right out the gate. So there's your postseason update as it is right now for Montana State, Montana, and the rest of the Big Sky Conference for both the softball championship tournament and Big Sky Conference outdoor track and field. We'll have full coverage tomorrow as well because I'm doing the, the show tomorrow from Stewart Stadium. The press box for the Weber State football team that will also be the home of the Big Sky Conference outdoor championships in full array tomorrow. The multi-events now in the books, but the full meet gets started tomorrow at noon with uh, both the women's hammer throw and the men's shot put. So let's talk to some of these athletes that are, that are partaking in these events. First, Tanessa Morris. She's a junior for the University of Montana, and she is the favorite in the women's hammer throw. She's won seven of eight meets entering the Big Sky Conference Championships. She's the reigning Big Sky Conference Athlete of the Week, and as you'll see here. Well, happy now to continue our coverage of Big Sky Conference Track and Field Championships with one of the favorites heading into this meet from the University of Montana. She's a junior. It's Tanessa Morris from the University of Montana, a thrower. She will compete in the hammer throw on Friday at 11 a.m. And uh, first, got to start with the here and now, Tanessa, because we're talking to you as you're on the bus on the way down to Ogden, Utah. And you were recently named the Big Sky Conference Athlete of the Week. Had a ton of success this year, won the hammer in pretty much every meet that you competed in. So what has been going well for you this year? How have you been able to compete at such a high level so far in your junior year at Montana? It's awesome to be a part of the team. Like, I never expected this season to go as well as it has. And I honestly couldn't have done it without the support from the, from the coaches, from my teammates, and from the Missoula community. Like, it, it's so cool because that's the school I was at previously. When we went to meet, there were two people in the stands, and one of them was usually my mom. <laughs> <laughs> but here, at meets here, we have community members. I even had professors at the meets. Like, it's overwhelming the support that we have. We couldn't ask for more. You mentioned that you started your career, your collegiate career, at the University of Lethbridge in Alberta, Canada, and, and you hail from Alberta. So 
compare and contrast the two. I mean, what was it like? What's track and field like in, in Canada in general? And, and is there much difference between uh, level of competition and just the way things operate here uh, in Montana? Yeah, it's very different, especially on the university side of things, because at home, we never had an outdoor season for universities. We only had our indoor season where we could do weight throw. And that's what really pulled me to Montana was that I could throw hammer. Like, we could never do that in Lethbridge unless it was part of the club team in the summer. It is an interesting dichotomy between um, (laughs) hammer and weight, because I've talked to several throwers, including Hannah Filzer, who was a great thrower uh, previously at the University of Montana, Big Sky Conference champion 2017 and 2019. And it seems like there is, uh, I I guess to the the untrained eye, it seems, oh, one you're just throwing inside, one you're throwing outside. But what are the biggest differences between the weight throw and the hammer? Well, the biggest difference is the implement itself. So for hammer, we have a four kilogram ball and it's attached to a meter long wire. And then for weight throw, it's a 20 pound ball and it's about half a meter long. So it takes a lot more brute strength to be able to throw the weight than it does the hammer I've found. <laughs> and hammer, I found, and I can use my speed a lot more versus weight. You have to really try and force it. That's just my experience with it, but... <laughs> Well, that's what makes it fascinating, though, right? Because there is not just a strength element to this, right? There's a balance element. There's a speed element. And so it's not necessarily just being the, the biggest, strongest thrower you can be. A lot of times it does come down to your footwork and your center of gravity and things like that, right? It does, for sure. And, like, my background is in figure skating. So I find that's probably been the biggest help on being able to rotate as you, do, as you need to in the hammer and be able to produce the speed and footwork. So now that's fascinating. I never thought of that parallel because oftentimes we see we've seen this in in basketball um, every so often. You know, the big guy that played soccer when he was a kid and he has great footwork. But I've never thought of the transition between the figure skating and the hammer. So that's fascinating. So when did you first pick up weight throwing hammer after transitioning from figure skating? Well, when I was in 11th grade, actually, my mom and I moved to Regina, Saskatchewan, because that's where my figure skating coach has moved. And I attended a sports school where I could lift weights in the morning, and then I finished all of my classes by noon, so I could figure skate all afternoon. And my mom looked at me one day and said, you need to find something to do after 5 p.m. We can't just sit here and look at each other. (laughs) So I ended up joining the track club, and my intention was to be a heptathlete because I'd seen javelin thrown. I always liked jumping. But then I saw the University of Regina girls and they were throwing the weight. When I saw them spinning, I thought that is the coolest event I have ever seen. So I went up to the coach and I said, hey, can I, can I try this? Like, it looks really cool. Oh yeah, go for it. And the next thing I knew, I was at nationals that same year for Hammer. <laughs> Well, that's an awesome story. I love that. Tanessa Morris joining us on the Rankins <laughs> Brothers RV phone line. She's a junior thrower for the University of Montana. Big Sky Conference track and field championships underway in Ogden, Utah. She competes Friday morning at 11 a.m. in the hammer throw. Let's talk about just this last couple weeks because at the Tom Gage Classic, we mentioned your award, Big Sky Conference uh, Field Athlete of the Week. Congratulations on that. But it was also a personal best for you. Through the hammer, 202 feet, 1 inches, which is the second farthest throw in the history of University of Montana and the farthest throw in the Big Sky this season. Your personal best by nearly 10 feet. So what did it feel like to pop a throw like that? And how do you then not let yourself peak too early? How do you replicate that one week later? It felt absolutely awesome to throw that. 
Like, I've been... The other meets, I have felt like there was just something missing. Like, it just wasn't all coming together yet. And then the throw, the 202, it just felt like everything clicked. It all worked together. The speed was there. And I finally was able to hit a good release on it. And I think the big thing I'm working on now is just replicating. Once you get the feeling once, in my, in my experience, you're able to replicate that feeling more frequently. <laughs> and that's what I'm hoping to do this weekend. I know your first year at the University of Montana, but uh, a new throws coach at Montana and Ryan Weidman. So um, what have you thought of just his coaching style? Because it seems as if uh, quite a few throwers on both the men's and women's side are performing pretty well right now. So what sort of things has he implemented or maybe tweaked about your fundamentals or your throwing style that's helped you improve like you have? Oh, Coach Weidman is awesome. And one of the big, like he's always, he loves tracks so much, and you can tell. And he ha- and he's always willing to give you what you need to succeed. So, for example, like, we tend to break wires or dent the hammers a lot from hitting them on the ground or off the cage. He's always the first one that says, all right, let's get that wire changed. We need to bring that hammer this weekend. And one of the biggest things in my training that I think has helped is that instead of just doing the throws themselves, he has us do supplementary work afterwards. So for like some days we'll go for a 20 minute run. Other days it's more plyometric jumping kind of stuff. And I find that has helped me be able to train more. Like it increases my stamina at practice so I can do more throws and it just makes everything feel better. Like I feel more athletic in the ring and yeah, Coach Weidman, he just has an incredible knowledge of all of the throws. I think that's why all of us have been able to prove so much. Improve so much, sorry. <laughs> Tanessa Morris joining us here on Nuanas Now. It's 1029 ESPN Missoula. Maybe you're watching in statewide television, SWX Montana TV. She and her teammates compete at the Big Sky Conference Championships, Outdoor Track and Field Championships in Ogden, Utah this weekend. Talk about the team a little bit, Tanessa, because I think that that's another part of track and field that uh, I have always loved um, covering and, and just watching and observing is the team dynamic. Sometimes it's seen as an individual sport, but you guys are chasing individual and team titles, and a lot of times team chemistry helps the individual perform on a higher level. So what have you thought of joining this team? What's it been like acclimating to the University of Montana, and what do you think of just the dynamic as you head to the championships? I think we have an incredible dynamic on our team. Like, at the start of this season, our groups never really intermingled much, but as soon as we started competing, like, I could name everyone on this bus right now. (laughs) And it's awesome to be able to see everyone else improve. And one thing I've noticed in my time at track is that while a lot of times the lines between a team and an individual get blurred because... We're, we're a team, but we all compete against each other. And one thing I found on this team is that we truly are a team. We all want the best for each other. We're all cheering for one another. Like, I know some of these people, I'm going to come back 10 years and come and have a coffee with them, that kind of thing. <laughs> 
Gotta love it. Well, t- tell us about just the, the weekend as it is. I mean, Friday morning, you're going to compete in the Hammer. So how do you go about getting yourself mentally prepared? And uh, do you feel, I mean, what's the feeling like? Because you are sort of the number one seed, uh, as they say, the, the the top throw entering this meet. So does that come with an element of pressure? Or how do you mentally prepare yourself to to affirm uh, that, that prediction and, and improve your performance one more time? Well, I think the big thing I do is I visualize a lot. I will lay there in my hotel room and I am just seeing the throw again and again and again in my head, watching my hands, my feet, and then the throw as a whole. And I think the big thing for me is instead of treating this as a big championship meet, which it is, but instead of treating it like that in my head, I treat it more as if it's any other meet. Because that way, there isn't as, there isn't as much pressure or anything. And the, the fun part about it being a championship is you get that little bit of extra adrenaline, which only makes the throws go better, I've found. <laughs> That's an interesting element to this outdoor championships as well, because I know that uh, most of the meets that you guys have competed in in this weird um, pandemic-ridden year have been either sort of locally or regionally. I know there's been a couple times when you've had an opportunity to to maybe go to a larger regional meet. I know some athletes went over to, to Oregon uh, a couple weeks ago and, and all that, but mostly you guys haven't seen most of the rest of the teams in the Big Sky, which is sort of rare entering the Big Sky Conference Outdoor Championships. Usually there's once or twice maybe where you've seen, you know, the, the Sacramento States and Northern Arizona's, and I'm sure there maybe was a couple athletes from there, but not not really any sort of team competitions or dual meets. So what do you expect that experience to be like? How will that influence the way things play out? I'm really excited to be able to see the other team. Like, it's one thing to be able to see their name on the sheet as, oh, Northern Arizona's ranked second or third right now, or Sac State is in the list as well. Like, I really like being able to get to the meets and meet the people that I see the names on the list. (laughs) Sometimes there's an element of rivalries too, but those are probably not, have have not been developed as much right now. Friendly rivalries to be sure. But, but uh, I mean, how does that part work? Because sometimes there's this girl maybe that you've gone back and forth with for uh, all season long or even for years at a time. And and maybe that dynamic doesn't exist as much this year, right? There might not be as much this year, but I found that myself and the girl that's in second, we've we've always been right with each other at all of the meets. We're always pushing each other that one extra centimeter, that one extra foot. And I really like having someone like her that pushes me that little extra bit. <laughs> no question. And that's more. Joining us, Rangers Brothers RV phone line, ESPN Radio, 1029. It's Nuanez now. Well, last thing for you then, Tedessa, what is the goal? I mean, I, I, you are you are the favorite, so obviously the goal is probably a championship, but how do you make that happen? Uh, the big thing is just do what I've been doing. Just because it's a championship meet, I can't let myself get tight in my shoulders or try to push that ball the next fit. i got to make sure I stick to my training and I stick to what I know. 
We gotta love it. Well, from ESPN Missoula and everybody around the state of Montana, we, we wish you and your teammates the best of luck over the weekend. It'll be fun to follow. If you want to watch any of this or follow the results or any of that stuff, you can go to gogrizz.com or msubobcats.com. Just click on the links for the, the track and field under the sports. You can go to schedule and click on stream, or you can also go to the Big Sky Conference, bigskyconf.com, and find all the live results as well as the live stream of all the events there as well. Tanessa, we appreciate the time. Travel safe, and best of luck on Friday. Uh, thank you so much for having me. Sportsbet Montana is powered by the Montana Lottery. Join in on the excitement for Sportsbet Montana by betting on your favorite sports and teams, both collegially and professionally. There are multiple ways to bet, including in-game, which gets you into the action live as the game unfolds, and parlay betting, where you could have a chance to win big. Sportsbet Montana, a secure and interactive way to win while watching your favorite sports. Bets can be placed securely on the mobile app while at an authorized Sportsbet Montana location or by using the Sportsbet Montana kiosk located at approved vendors. Montana bettors have wagered more than $28 million since Sportsbet Montana launched almost a year ago, and in that time, bettors have won more than $25 billion. Sportsbet Montana's retail partners have more than $1.7 million in commission. Head on down to your authorized Sportsbet Montana locations and get in on the fun today. of pre-recorded interviews. I've never tried to do this from uh, start to finish. We just knew we had a bunch of interviews in the can, including the next interview we will play uh, with Ryan Collingwood. He's a sports writer for the Spokesman Review, covering Eastern Washington athletics. We've been catching up with beat writers from across the United States, particularly in the Big Sky Conference, recapping what was a strange and atypical spring football season. So, our Big Sky Conference beat writer series, presented by Skyline Sports and ESPN Missoula continues right here, right now. It's Nuanas Now. now to continue our Big Sky Conference Beat Riders series. Welcoming in Beat Riders from across the Big Sky Conference, recapping the recent spring football season, and also touching base on some other stuff that are going on at those respective universities that these guys cover. Our latest guest, Ryan Collingwood. He's the beat writer for Eastern Washington University for at least a little while longer. We'll do. Uh, we'll get to that a little later here uh, on Nuanez Now. But Ryan's covered Eastern Washington for a handful of years there at the Spokesman Review, the great newspaper in Spokane, Washington, and uh, just finished up covering Eastern Washington's football season. The Eagles finished the spring football season with a 5-2 and two record, lost their opener to Idaho, won five straight, made the playoffs, had to go on the road to play North Dakota State, lost in the first round to NDSU, 42-20. to 20. So first and foremost, Ryan, just give us a broad-angle view on this whole thing. What was it like? I know you've been on the show recently talking spring football, but what was it like covering football in March in Cheney? It seemed like it was sort of a, a bizarre thing. Good to have it back, but also a lot of questions surrounding just the validity of the season and th- what equals success in a season like this. Yeah, obviously it was good for them to play a season. You know, you, you never want to see college kids 
you know, the reason they're in Cheney, Washington is to play football, you know, and go to school. And, um, you know, as a guy who played football, at, you know, at smaller levels, you know, you want to get to work. You don't want to sit, especially when, you know, FBS, they played their season fine. Um, you know, and then you're kind of sitting around and doing anything for months and months and months, you know, mentally it takes its toll on you. So I'm glad they were able to get some football in. Uh, it didn't really have a whole lot of, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of buzz. I can't say there was, you know, it didn't feel like the whole area was really that in on the spring football thing. I mean, just, uh, it didn't seem like they the fans were into it as much. I'm not like they have their hardcore die, you know, diehards out there, but it's, uh, there wasn't a huge, it, it didn't have that feeling like it did like, you know, in, in previous years during the course of a regular season. But um, I, I didn't get to see much football. I mean, I didn't get to see them uh, live very much at all, which was strange. Um, they kind of closed practices off. Uh, they just didn't, they thought that we'd be in a bubble, even though we're outside. Um, uh, wouldn't be within 100 feet of a player. Um, I don't think the virus spreads outside as easily, and it was cold. And uh, but hey, that that, that was their rules. Uh, didn't get any access there, so um, watched most of it on TV, and uh, tried to be somewhat of a beat writer. I, I didn't think I I was able to do a very good job, to be honest. Kind of get to see uh, the, the much movement, the players, injuries. I couldn't really. Uh, we didn't get a whole lot of access talking to the players, the coaches throughout the week. Uh, so really, I mean, it was just kind of a weird a blur to me that whole three months, to be honest. Totally. It was, it was a weird hard. It was hard to follow all the way across the board. I found myself following a little bit during the early part because there was games on Saturdays on Pluto TV when basketball games got over. So I'd turn it on while I was writing my basketball stories. But then as the season progressed on, I found myself just sort of losing interest in all of it. But here nor there, Eastern Washington, they did start off the spring season with a 28-21 loss to Idaho. But then they reeled off five wins in a row, beat Northern Arizona 45-13. A great shootout, uh, thrilling victory over Idaho State 46-42. A beat down to Cal Poly 62-10 that basically ended up uh, resulting in then the the – Subsequent cal- cancellation of the rest of Cal Poly's season. Uh, they won at Cal Davis 32-22, probably the best win of the spring season for Eastern Washington. Then they got revenge against the Vandals 38-31 uh, in the season, the regular season finale. And then once again uh, at North Dakota State 42-20. But take us through just kind of the, the, the stretch run here because Eastern losing that game to Idaho was sort of a, an ominous start to this spring football season, but then they seem to kind of get back on track. So what were some of the the positive takeaways you had from it? How were they able to sort of rally and win five in a row to get in the playoffs? Yeah, I think uh, their offense, you know, was, was solid. You know, they led the country in total yards uh, most of the season. Um, they, uh, you know, obviously, Eric Berry is a good quarterback. He's had some Good wide receivers, good running back. It's Merrick Pierce, but the offensive line, you know, they did a pretty good job. They were relatively, uh, relatively inexperienced. They lost a lot of dudes on the, on the offensive front. They seem to have uh, done a pretty decent job, you know, considering uh, circumstances. Um, they didn't really have the best schedule. I mean, I don't think they played anybody that great in the regular season. I mean, Cal Poly, Cal Poly, uh, UC Davis was their uh, probably the biggest test, and they were they were decent. They went down there. I got a good road win, um, but I think I think it was a mixture of their offense being pretty solid, um, uh, kind of a weak schedule, 
And uh, you know they have some they have some players. I mean, they have some players. I think defensively they you know they struggled. Uh, we, we all kind of knew the D line was going to have some problems, and then some, there were some departures there in the transfer portal. I think the secondary got better in 2019. They kind of struggled. You can you can see them. But there was some uh, some growth there in the secondary, but uh, you know front seven kind of took a couple steps backward. And uh, when they played good teams, it showed. Ryan Collingwood joining us, Spokesman Review. He's the beat writer covering Eastern Washington University. This is part of our Big Sky Conference beat writer series as we kind of recap this spring football season and also touch base, see what's going on at some of these schools around the Big Sky Conference on an athletic part department uh, stance. And, Ryan, you mentioned some of the improvements. The secondary was improved. The offensive line a little bit improved as well. The front seven not quite as good. Probably to be expected with the departure of Keith Moore, the, the um, outstanding defensive tackle in the offseason, as well as Chris Ojo, a linebacker who entered the transfer portal during the midst of the season. Uh, but take us through some of the other groups. Obviously, Eastern Washington has always been known for the quarterback player. Eric Berry had a great year. He, he was the Big Sky Gowans Offensive Player of the Year. He is a finalist for the Walter Payton Award. But also the the receivers, they've all, Eastern's always been known for their receivers as well, and uh, some new guys that sort of rose up at that spot as well. So just take us through sort of the skill positions on offense because it seems like uh, maybe some breakout performances or at least some some foreshadowing for co- what could be talented players come around in the fall. Yeah, um, Tamaric Pierce had a good season. I think he was the first team uh, big guy. I mean, granted, only eight of the thirteen teams play actually. Seven and a half, if you consider Cal Poly season a season. Um, so, uh, but yeah, Tamaric Pierce had a good year. He'll be another guy. He'll be a he'll be a six year senior in the fall. He ran hard. Um, he's a talent. And then Talal Mimu Jones and Andrew Boston. Those are two all Big Sky level receivers. I mean, those are probably the best tandem in the league as of right now. I thought it was. Montana's until the transfer portal thing happened, but now I definitely think it's Eastern's um, has the best hand in, uh, in the conference there, receiver. But uh, uh, but yeah, the offensive line, <clears throat> you had Tristan Taylor there, you know, that left tackle. I mean, that's a guy who has pro potential. He's a mountain of a man. Um, he's been a starter for 100 years, it feels like. And then the young guys around him seem to, uh, seem to have gelled. Eastern's never really had a at least in like you know recent history, had a line that just sucked, just got blown up, pushed backward. I mean, they had there, there were times where they didn't happen to them, but there hasn't by by and large been an Eastern offensive line that's been just crappy. So, um, I thought their line did did a solid job. Um, uh, but yeah, I think uh, the, the offense, if it stays intact, and obviously that's something they can change day to day. Um, they could be good again in the fall, but um, where, I mean, is Eric, Eric Berry going to come back? Is, are any other guys going to leave? Are, uh, I mean, is defense going to stop anybody? You know, so those are the kind of questions we'll have to have to answer later. 1029 ESPN Missoula, statewide television, SWX Montana TV. I'm Coulter Nuanez, broadcasting to you live here on ESPN Missoula. It's Nuanez now, part of our Big Sky Conference Beat Writer Series, catching up with beat writers from across the Big Sky Conference, recapping the spring football season, and much more. Ryan Collingwood joining us from the Spokesman Review. And Ryan, just a general question. Was the spring season worth it for Eastern Washington? And if so, why? If not, why not? Uh, 
That's a good question. Um, uh, without looking at the numbers, <laughs> uh, you know, not having the, the bottom line in front of me and uh, the budget. But thing is, when you don't play in the fall, you obviously save some money, right? Um, so, the, you know, they didn't really spend a whole, I mean, relative to what they typically spend. I mean, but if you're an Eastern boat, I mean, if your school is, is doing that bad financially, um, you got to make some hard choices. Uh, you know, if, you know, if it's, if it's, if it's five, six million in the hole and you have a chance to cut a sizable chunk of that away by just not playing football, you probably should have, uh, not played football. Um, and then, uh, but on the flip side, you know, you, at what cost? I mean, you want these kids to play. You want these kids to, you know, have a, have some normalcy back in their lives. And, um, you know, these kids work their asses off. They're in the weight room. They're watching film. These coaches, you know, they're, I mean, there's a reason they're in Cheney, and it's not because, you know, the great shopping and great restaurants there because they're, you know, they play football and go to school and get a degree. But, you know, there wasn't really a school atmosphere really this year. It was kind of, you know, the pandemic kind of thwarted that. And uh, so it's, it's, it's a tough question because, you know, you want, you want me, me personally, I mean, I thought all athletes should have been playing all year. I mean, that shit factors me. But then, um, and then you gotta look at Eastern's budget issues. I mean, those are very real, and it's 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 put them in a bad light. I mean, a lot of schools are suffering. A lot of small colleges are suffering. Uh, but so I mean, if you're looking at it business wise, um, you you probably should have just uh, waited. You know, did, did what the Grizz did and played like one game, uh, two games and exhibition style and just, you know, kind of get, get the patch popping again, play, play a little football. Um, and then uh, just waited a few more months and got into the, in the swing of things. But then a lot of these guys got better. I mean, a lot of these players are going to be so much better from these last seven, you know, seven games. Guys that um, didn't kind of miss their eligibility, so they got a bunch of reps. Um, they were kind of, you know, it was kind of a gift that way. But it, if you're but if you're if you're a bean counter, uh, you probably shouldn't have played. But if you're a guy, he says, screw all that, you know, let's let's do the right thing. Get these guys out there. Um, you should have played. So um, that's all I can really say about that. To be honest, I mean, it's kind of hard to really. Um, Safe it was worth it, I guess. Ryan Collingwood us from the Spokesman Review. He covers Eastern Washington football and men's basketball, at least for a little while longer. And Ryan, you mentioned just sort of the, the financial uh, skates that Eastern Washington's been on for a little while here, and we've talked about it on the show extensively with and without you, so don't need to go into the mundane details, but I do find this dynamic fascinating. Of the sports that have completed at Eastern Washington over the last, oh, let's call it six to eight weeks since basketball got over, We've had men's and women's basketball finish, football finish, and women's soccer finish. And the lone remaining coach that still has a job at Eastern Washington is Aaron Best, the head football coach. Shante Leggins, men's basketball, moves on to the University of Portland. 
Wendy Schuler, longest tenured coach in the Big Sky Conference at 20 years for the women's basketball team. She was abruptly fired. I know that there's some movement there. They might finally be hiring a coach. It's been about eight weeks since uh, she was fired. She was fired on April 1st, so they have been without a coach for quite some time. And then recently... Chad Bodner, the head coach for the women's soccer team, his contract not renewed despite having a, a tremendous amount of success. I know there's not a lot of details behind either the Schuler firing or the Bodner firing, but it seems just particularly uh, precarious to me that there is uh, such a mass exodus, whether it's the university's decision or the coach's decision or both, uh, in terms of the coaching ranks at Eastern Washington. Is there anything to read into this here? Yeah, obviously there's a culture problem there, right? I mean, anytime you see um, these kind of moves made, you know, in proximity to each other, uh, you're seeing athletes make moves that are, uh, you know, lateral moves. Or you know, I mean, like, you know, you see players. I mean, Eastern Washington. I mean, they've been a top twenty-five program. Um. For a while now, you know, are they a top five anymore? I, right as of right now, no, I don't think so. But they're still solid, and um, you know, men's basketball. I mean, it seems like they're, they're still kind of you know doing all right with recruiting, and you know, it's still like obviously lost a guy, lost a bunch of transfer portal. But you, you, you know, you factor in you know coaches, these coach departures, these players, and these mass exits that going on. You, I mean, uh, you, Eastern's not a place you, you stay at forever. I mean, that, that's just the truth. If you're a coach um, uh, and you're good, you typically want to move on. That's just how it is. I mean, I, you, I guess you could be happy and cheating your whole career. I mean, but um, most coaches wouldn't be if they're, if they're, if they're hyper-competitive enough and believe that they're, you know, most coaches have it in their heads that they can, you know, go as far as, you know, they believe they can go. And uh, so that's why you don't see. There's a reason Ray Jacoletti left for Utah in 2004. Bo Baldwin left for Cal, and um, you know all these. You know Paul Wolf left for Washington State in 2007. Like all these people, they want to move on. That's just what you do. You don't stay there forever. But 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 just the way things have kind of gone lately, it's like it's not just about that. It's about you know it seems like there's. You know, there's not like a lot of camaraderie. The camaraderie, I, I mean, I, I kind of felt a little more like there was a little bit more of a uh, cohesiveness out there those first couple of years in the beat. But I think the pandemic, you know, definitely um, uh, magnified some problems out there. And uh, just a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of discontent, it seems like, with the kids and some of the coaches. And I mean, that's going to be that's just part of life. You know, that, that, nothing's ever hundred percent awesome all the time. And people are going to bitch about things. I, I mean, I do that all the time in my job, you know, but, uh, uh, but, um, but yeah, I mean, it's obvious. I mean, you don't have to be, uh, uh, FBI, you don't have to be uh, some big investigator to figure out kind of what are some of the, you know, problems at Eastern and why a guy, why an Ira branch who, you know, started at Eastern at corner, he's now going to Abilene Christian, another FCS school. I mean, they're not typically as good as Eastern, <laughs> you know, they were D2 a few years ago, but then again, Abilene Christian has a nicer school. It's a nicer football field. You know, it's, 
everything's there, it's probably a little more, a little more appealing. I don't think there's any talk of Abilene Christian going, D, going back to D2, you know? <laughs> Uh, those things, you know, you hear that enough. You, you hear uh, enough people talking about dropping down or going independent or, I mean, you hear enough of that, even if it's not legitimate or, or, or it's overblown. I mean, it does take its toll. And then when you're hearing that at a time when it's pandemic-y, you're not out doing the things that you usually do, I mean, you kind of get in your head there. I mean, I would. If I was just sitting around not doing the workouts I'm used to doing, and you're reading whatever media outlet saying that, uh, oh my God, Eastern, they're gonna do this, and you know, you got, and you got to call your coach and say, hey, is this true? And the coach kind of tells you, no, it's not. And you got to figure out for yourself what's real, what isn't. I mean, that's that sucks. Um, and then no one's really. It seems like no one at Eastern's really publicly been. Uh, I feel like Eastern could have done a better job handling you know, the talk of moving down or, you know, whatever, all these potential things. I feel like no one's really been a definitive voice out there in a time they need it. And um, people probably lost some faith there, you know, and obviously they had to make some of the financial cuts when they announced that they were going to make some coaching salary cuts last year, you know, and then that's going to do a number on your assistant coaching staff and your operations and, and then, um, you know, and then obviously there's just, you know, Wendy Schuler, she wasn't winning many games out there for, for women's basketball. So that kind of explained, you know, some of the reason that they went in a different direction. Um, uh, and then obviously, you know, Shantae, I mean, you know, there's, he obviously wasn't happy at Eastern. You know, talking to him, I mean, obviously he loved his team, but as far as the administration and stuff, it's very clear he was, he didn't think that he was treated the way he should have been treated, uh, according to him. I'm not sure, you know, Lynn Hickey could say otherwise. But, um, and then with the uh, soccer coach, um, Chad Bodner, like, obviously the guy won a lot of games. Uh, made the best coach in the big sky. Um, I mean, Eastern's out of place. Uh, in the Northwest, isn't really known for having a super rich, college soccer culture. I mean, it's changing with women's soccer in recent years. You've seen with Washington State, obviously Eastern's, you know, made a climb, the Montana Grizzly women took that, but like, by and large, not a huge, huge soccer area, like some of the parts of the country, but um, the guy won a lot, at, you know, and then for him to not get his contract renewed, he says he doesn't know why, and then, you know, Lynn Hickey's kind of, it seems like she's kind of hinting that, you know, maybe it was some sort of internal, you know, um, you know, some you know, disgruntled, maybe, maybe they didn't get along, maybe he didn't get along with us. I mean, I, you never really know. You never really know what, what goes on in these situations. But, uh, but, but what you do know, just based on the, the, on the trends, the mass departure, is that if Eastern was this place that was lollipops and, uh, and rainbows and everyone loved each other, you wouldn't see, you know, a quarter of these departures, you know. So... Uh, use a little bit of common sense and uh, it'll probably guide you as far as kind of monitoring from afar. Ryan Collingwood, Spokesman Review, covers Eastern Washington. Perhaps the biggest loss from Eastern Washington is that Ryan is entering the NCAA transfer portal as of sorts. More specifically, just moving a beat at the Spokesman Review and or maybe 
opening up his free agency. We'll see. Maybe he ends up as the new sports editor at the Missoulian. We're not going to speculate too much. We don't like to speculate too much here on the Wannas now. 1029 ESPN oh, wow. Missoula. But, uh, Ryan, best of luck with everything, my man. Appreciate it. And uh, we'll, we'll talk to you here in the future. But uh, best of luck with the next chapter in your upcoming move. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's not covering. I know I'm not covering Eastern anymore. I know that. That's 100%. Um, starting in the summertime. Um, Going to move me over to a different position. But, uh, no, man, it's been great. Covering the big sky has been fun. A lot of good, uh, good people, a lot of uh, good journalists. And um, uh, just uh, it's small enough to where uh, people are – a little easier to access and get to, get to know them and tell their stories, but it's good enough to where you see guys playing in the playing in the pros and women going on and having the pro careers themselves and, and great coaches and uh, it's been fun and it's been fun uh, working with you and uh, a lot of these other uh, Big Sky reporters too. The world may have slowed down, but it didn't stop. If you're back on the road and traveling to Missoula, we invite you to give Missoula's Wingate a try. We love our regular corporate guests and offer fantastic service, great year-round rates, and clean and comfortable rooms that will keep you coming back. While you're here, you can rack up the Wyndham Rewards points for free nights or airline miles. And starting in July, you can release some steam in our newly expanded fitness room. The team at Missoula's Wingate would love to make you feel at home Now, to go to the Regis Brothers RV phone line, continue our coverage of Big Sky Conference Outdoor Track and Field Championships. Doing a full blowout preview for a big meet that gets in full underway on Friday, but it's already going now as you're listening to this on a Thursday here on Nuanez now. But either way, it's going to be a great weekend for the University of Montana, Montana State, and all the rest of the teams around the Big Sky. Welcome in Brett Yankee. He's a senior thrower for the University of Montana. It could be his last meet. It could not. We don't know. But here nor there, it's a big meet for him. He competes in the men's shot put 1230 on Friday and then the men's disc 1230 on Saturday. So, Brent, let's just start there. How are you feeling going into this outdoor conference championships? It's been a long time since you've actually got to compete in an outdoor conference championships. <laughs> yeah, well, thank you. And, um, yeah, it's definitely been a long time since I've competed in outdoor championships. I mean, we've been uh, two years now since the last one. And um, it's definitely a different um, feeling coming into the conference, you know, returning since I'm a senior now, I'm definitely one of the upperclassmen that a lot of the kids try, to, a lot of the other athletes try to look up to. But it's different because I'm used to being the underclassman who I looked up to other athletes. So it's definitely a whole new vibe and a whole new um, attitude that we have this year. Um, we're definitely adjusting a lot of things. We're young and we're learning, but the way we moved along this season has just been awesome. And I'm so confident in our team and happy with where we are going into this meet. It's really exciting. It's been a crazy to think about that i remember sitting at in, in missoula doran blazer field watching the 2019 outdoor championships and at the same time that seems like just yesterday and also a lifetime ago it's crazy how long ago that seems like it was but that was the last outdoor championship so what's it been like 
for you the last couple of years? Because I know you got indoor track and stuff like that, but it seems to me, especially when you're doing the shot putting the discus, it's a, it's definitively different when you're outside. So, I mean, what's it been like the last year and a half or so, missing last spring and, and getting some extra training time, but also sort of having to endure this crazy uh, time that we've lived through? Yeah, so this this last outdoor was really um, tough, for, I think, especially for a lot of athletes. Um, we, like... Uh, we weren't allowed to train in the facilities and stuff and weren't allowed to really be with our coaches or anything second semester and a lot of first semesters. So it's been a huge struggle of trying to get that practice in and get that training in. But um, definitely, like, seeing everyone persevere through that and work through those difficulties to try to find ways to train and find ways to get better has been one of the most exciting things for me. I mean, we see a team that's just shown massive improvement when you really didn't have any sort of good... um, resources for training and stuff over the past year they've they've just been doing it on their own and doing the best they can and it's honestly been incredible to see the results so i'm really excited you look through all of the results get commencement ready at the montana state bookstore your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org free regalia when you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org. 